So let's turn our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, okay. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. The title of the lesson is Contend for the Faith with Love. Amen. You know, it's interesting how the Bible says these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So it's not minimizing faith or hope because it's impossible to please God without faith the Bible says so okay well how could love be more important well you have to understand how do you come to understand God and know God well you understand that Jesus of his own free will became a human being and walked on earth and then died for us to be able to be in God's presence that's the greatest demonstration of love to give your life up and we also understand that no one really cares what you know unless you really care. And it's even though we all have great intentions, it's hard to keep caring. Not that we don't want to. It's just hard. It takes energy. It takes attitude adjustment. It takes going, God, forgive me. It takes going back in the room and having a breather and venting on your spouse and then coming back, oh, God, I want to do the right thing. I'm such a wretch. Amen. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Alfonso. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Fonzo's awesome. And uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, we read, So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and our hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So here's Paul carried by the Spirit, addressing the church in Thessalonica. And earlier in this chapter, he says, man, I'm outraged how I was treated in Philippi. He was imprisoned, and it was very challenging. He says, man, but it didn't stop him from persevering in love. And he came, and he says, this is what the heart of God must be in each one of us. We must strive to really, and I love verse 8, it says, we, we cared for you because we love you so much. And then what is love from God's point of view? It's not just doing kind acts or deeds, which is very important, but without the other part of the recipe of God, it only meets temporary needs. Yeah. You only can be a good neighbor and the neighbor dies, but it, if they didn't get a chance to understand the love of God, if you have it to give, then how do they get right? right. Saved. Yeah. And it says here, we not only shared we loved you so much, we not only shared the gospel of God, but our lives as well. They both go together. You can't just come to church and read your Bible by yourself and go, I love God, thank you, without understanding that the recipe is love. You, not only do you receive the love of God, but now you strive to embrace and love God and then love people. That's why the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart. Come on. Love your neighbor is the second. Yeah. And we see here that he says, you remember... Even if it wasn't going well, we still showed up. We still cared. Even in toil, hardship. 
And we, we made it a point where we strived not to be the burden, we wanted to be the solution. We strive not to be a burden because we relied on God and why we need to encourage one another and be there for one another. We have to continue to help God, help us understand that God is the source. And then he says, okay, and then also uh, we preached, we didn't want to be a burden to anyone, and we preached the gospel of God to you. So once again, the gospel of God. And then you know how we dealt with you as a father deals with his own children. You have to discipline your child. If you're a father worth any salt, they must know you love them, even though the moment might be painful or disciplinary, whatever you give them, and it can feel awkward, but you always show up. So if you're loving, 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 and always there, the moments of discipline, the child really understands of love because you're not an absentee person. You're there always, so now they understand it was harder for you to discipline them uh, it was harder on you to discipline than it was on the kid. And you'll not understand as a parent, it's not easy to do that because we're sentimental and we're emotional. And it's like we have to trust God when we have to teach the children, our children growing up, boundaries. Yeah. But it says right after that in verse 12, encouraging, comforting, urging you, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom. You know, we saw uh, Anna get baptized into the kingdom of God last last week and the picture which our media team does such a good job they sent me some pictures and one of them they're all amazing but that one picture with her i think i put it on the app that they sent me anna your face said everything a picture with a thousand plus words you could see that burden off her shoulder she's just like like i can't even do it but it was just said so much of the moment of her understanding by her faith what that what baptism meant her sins were forgiven and she read the gift of the holy spirit she came out she's like oh my god the signature character trait of a manager is faithfulness. The signature trait of a mother is gentleness. As an apostle, Paul was a man worthy of authority, but he also used his authority in love. The children in Christ sensed his tender care when he was coming, but they respected him, just like we respect God. God disciplines all those he loves. So understand you will get disciplined as you are with God because that's part of learning and loving the mature Christian feeds on the word of God and then shares its nourishment with the younger Christians as they need to feed on the word of God too but we help each other urging comforting encouraging each other you know when you say comforting urging encouraging that's not just babying people urging is almost like come on get back up come on Amen. so Let's look at Jude chapter 1 and contend for the faith with love. See, love, you must get your strength from God, but you understand faith is impossible to please God. So let's look what Jude said. And Jude was uh, Jesus' half-brother. Mary was, Jesus, was Jude's mother. And, I mean, Mary was Jude's uh, mother and uh, Mary, and then Joseph the carpenter was Jude's father, but he was a half-brother, just like James. Yeah. And here we see Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, which means he's so humble, he's not throwing it out because he doesn't want to go, I'm a, I'm a brother of Christ, because he didn't want people to think, hey, like, he didn't knew it wasn't, you know, it was amazing, but there's, he's no different than anybody else. But it is true. He says, a brother of James, to those who have been called, 
who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. In abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only Savior and Lord. See, he says, I was going to tell you about salvation, which is incredible as disciples, but he goes, I had to switch gears because there's an issue here. You realize you, you're saved by grace, but you better get back up on the spiritual pony and get ready to keep urging and comforting and get that word of nourishment because make no mistake, living faithful to the end is what God expects. Amen. Contend for the faith. What's contend mean? Struggle. Struggle to surmount. If you're in a contender to take the championship from a boxer that holds the title, you're training all year for a, what, if it goes 12 rounds times three is what, 20, 36 minutes. I don't know if you've ever done anything totally all out for even three minutes, like a three-minute round if you're so bouncing and boxing and fighting. But you could do anything. You could just go home and run in place for three minutes. I bet you'd be tired. <laughs> Contend. Spiritually speaking, that is encouraging urging you keep going keep staying close with God keep fighting the good fight keep obeying God's word but you got to keep the love because faith hope and love are all that remains but if you bring faith without love it can hurt people yeah, that's not that's just like Earl read that uh, beautiful scripture uh, it was a great great heart because it's more blessed to give than receive and but it says if I if, if I'm a if I have faith that can move mountains, and he wasn't talking about wrong faith in that. He's talking about if I have the faith, biblical faith, to conquer the all mountains and do all these incredible things that are impossible to do, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. God's saying, back up. Amen, great faith, but you, got it. you can't go without the other part of the recipe. Yeah. Because, see, faith, I believe, is from God, and we nourish ourselves, and we must seek God with all our heart and grasp it ourselves with the words of God and obey and prayer. But I believe we are vehicles that must carry faith in love. Yeah. But not being afraid to speak the truth in love. Right. See, it's not just we shared our lives only. We shared the gospel of, the gospel of God and our lives. So while we knew to need, need to do it lovingly, it doesn't mean everybody's going to agree with you. And even in our congregation, we must disciple one another in love because none of us are naturally going to be like Jesus, myself included, right? To be naturally loving alone like God calls us to be as disciples, you got to gear up spiritually. And I'm not saying it's fake, but you got to make a decision to wake up and go up. And you don't, you're just going to keep falling. I'm leaning on the podium. Um, I plan all day to pour myself out for this sermon, and then I, I'm very fatigued afterwards, but I'm glad. I was telling somebody else, I went, how are you doing? I said, well, I can only walk for short parts of time without getting fatigued, but I just wait, rest pretty much the whole day until I come up, and then I just leave it on the field. Amen. And because I love God and love you guys. Um, so 
he says certain individuals have slipped in. And he's talking about back then, there was, this was the issue. They were trying to say it's okay to be immoral and sin and have this in the Bible. And they were also denying Jesus Christ as the sovereign Lord. But see, the real principle is there's always going to be people that may strive to pervert the truth outside and then in. If we don't contend and help each other, we can drift. We can drift, and why we all need grace on our best day, we must be, how, who you are is who you are responding to the, to the scriptures. We all need to be corrected. We all need to repent. The issue really is not if you're sinning or if you're in, 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 having a disagreement or, or, or confused. It's when you're brought back to the scriptures, how do you respond to the scriptures consistently? And that's really where you show you're with God. Yeah. It's not arguing against scriptures. Um, Jude's letter focuses on what the word they call is apostasy. And that's when people turn away from God's truth yeah. and embrace false teachings. And in some sense, it, it really is true. Apostasy is the same as falling away or even what you've heard maybe called backsliding. Yeah. Backsliding is, just, is a term, or falling away is a term used within Christianity. Someone who became a disciple, who's a Christian, and they... They, who, has, who, who reverts to their pre-conversion habits and or lapses or falls into sin. When a person turns from God to pursue their own desires, the Bible even talks about it in a certain scripture in the Old Testament, they start to panel their own houses. Yeah. Well, we all have houses, and if you have paneling in your house, you're okay. <laughs> it's once again a heart issue. It's nothing wrong with remodeling your house or doing what you got to do. But focusing away from Jesus is Lord. And I want to carry the gospel and everything here on earth as a platform. Thank you. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to raise my family. It's okay to go on vacations and even cruises that the awesome Dejeans have desired. But you keep now the priority of what God's heart is, which we're going to share the gospel and love. And God wants to carry the vehicle of salvation. As Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. Yeah. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's saved. With you always. So that's what happens within our church. That's why it's important to mature. We, you know, you hear someone when they get baptized, you're a baby Christian. It's not trying to put anybody down. You could be 75 and you're a baby Christian when you come out of the water. Doesn't mean you, it's not like it stays the same age, tenure. People can grow according to how their heart is for God and according to God's plans with growing in the scriptures. You, your faith increases. But you are a baby Christian, and that means God wants you to mature in your faith, which will mature in your love, godly-wise, and your hope, and your convictions will get deeper. But you'll always carry them in love. Amen. You know, leaders that may have the gift of leadership, because everybody needs to lead and learn to make a disciple, but there's also DNA in different people. See, people are different, you know, like we look at our sinful nature. I may struggle with something more prone and maybe my burden in certain areas than maybe something you struggle with. But it's not comparing, right? But if I'm a leader and I need to call people and urge people and challenge people to follow Jesus and make disciples and move the Orlando church, if I, if I even saying that, I want to faint. Even though I'm already crippled almost. I mean, I can't. I've, but that I go to God and go, that's not my business. I'm just going to do what, I, what I'm going to do what I'm doing anyway. Amen. And when I was called in the ministry, I answered. But I didn't go, well, when I grow up, I want to be a minister. I never did that. When I grow up, I don't know what I want to do. And even when I was 30, I was like, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. But I became a disciple. Oh, good. And then I was asked. Amen. So whether whatever is asked, I'm going to do. Amen. 
but I'm doing it because I'm doing it anyway. So the pressure's off me, meaning I'm going to challenge. But if I start to challenge people and don't trust in God, then I can, if I challenge people or call people in the authority God gave me in harsh ways or impatient ways or frustration ways, now I'm not leading in righteousness. I'm taking advantage of my title. And I don't think leaders directly do that on purpose, but it's still no excuse. If, just like when you grow and you're trying to mentor people, you must love them, urge them, comfort them, but never water down the scripture. That's tough to keep that energy going. So apostasy, slipping back, not contending for the faith, you can be Outside the church, people have a misunderstanding of false doctrine, which we face every day with people we reach out to. It's not, we didn't write it, God wrote it. Uh, And then even within the church, I don't care how old you are as a Christian, you can revert to your pre-conversion habits, which the Bible talks about. You go back from your new life and start to slide back into your old self. Do not go back to your old self. You, are, you were born again. You were bought at a price. The old is gone. The new is here. But your sinful nature still is crying at you, isn't it? But now you've been given the power to recognize it and overcome it, even though you'll need forgiveness. You're not in a pattern of just nosediving in a consistent sinning anymore, right? Isn't that amazing? You can overcome it because you've been born again by the price of God Almighty on the cross, and your sins are forgiven, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's to move you, not make you autopilot. It's not going to do the work for you. you got to want to contend for your own faith. But then contend for the correct faith, because it says contend for not your faith. The Bible, the Scripture says, contend for the faith. It means we all have the same biblical faith. There shouldn't be a dis, an unorganized confusion, like that's the way your church do it. That's the way your church does it. Well, there's a problem with one or both churches, because we're supposed to all do it the way the Bible is. First century biblical church does it. So contend for the faith. The definition is struggle. Struggle to overcome it, to surmount it, a difficulty or danger. And we're saved by grace, though. Yeah. And God's going to get you through anything, but you still got to step up and, and decide to obey even when you don't feel like it with, the, with, with relying on God. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. Point number one is loving God means obeying Jesus. If you say you love God and you don't know the Bible or aren't a student of striving to learn the Bible, then you can't say, and if you do say it, I just don't know how you could say I'm obeying Jesus without checking yourself with the scriptures being humble. Because I don't know about you, I have to re-enter, I have to return, I have to go, God help me. I'm never arrived. There's sometimes I'm strong in certain things, or sometimes I'm weak, but the Bible always helps me, and I don't feel condemned. I feel humble, and I go, God help me, and then I'm I'm fired up. Because that's why Jesus died. Not for you to be guilted out, but go, hey, I recognize this. I need to grow in this. God help me. I don't mind sharing with other people. I'm a little embarrassed here. i got to grow. Or if I was this or that, please forgive me. I'm trying to change. Help me. That is grace. So if you look in uh, second, I mean, Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. What's wrong with me? Laodicea. I pronounced that probably 28 years right. See, I'm going. I pre- I, I, uh, Laodicea. Wow, my brain's twicking. 
and for all who have met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and uni uni united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden in all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I have that highlighted, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. See, this is not just a problem in our century. You have to contend. It's a demonic war. It's a spiritual war. We're all sinful by nature. We now recognize that and we want and we understand we need to be saved by Christ. And now we're fighting not only to overcome our own sin with the power of Christ and grace, but now the world, the Bible says we all loved darkness naturally. Yeah. So whether, I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but I don't care who you are, this, the longest Christian in, in here, your deep down subconscious still is, has a tendency to love darkness. Well, no, I don't. Good. Stay in the Bible. But the Bible says we all love darkness for fear of coming into light that our deeds may be seen clearly. We want to hide. And we still want to at times because we, we make it about people. We go, oh, I'm, I'm embarrassed. Well, then be embarrassed, but get it open. Yeah. See, I love that verse, and let's read that again. In verse, uh, uh, verse 5, and though I'm absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit. That means he's rooting for you. I'm with you. I'm with the brothers and sisters in Russia. I'm with the brothers and sisters in India. I'm with the brothers and sisters in Manila. I'm with the brothers and sisters over in, uh, in Ohio, wherever the church is of, of disciples. I haven't been there, but I'm with them because I have the same spirit of Christ united from the scriptures. There's one body, one faith, one Lord, one spirit, one baptism, one father in all and through all, Ephesians chapter 4. And he says here, I am present with you in spirit and delight. See how disciplined you are. See, discipline is part of the root of disciple. A disciple of Jesus is learning to be disciplined in your life to fit in the order of Jesus' priorities, not yours. And Jesus says, I'll take care of yours on the way. And he says, how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. See, faith isn't an intellectual thing. So then it says in verse 6, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankness, thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, who depends which depends on human tradition and elementary spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ, which would mean conventional wisdom. See, we're not talking about overt sins. We're talking about people that are trying to realize that they can use the self-help message and philosophy and intellectual exercise where they can get their lives, I've got it all figured out, without Christ. That's captive, hall. That's captive philosophy. That's hollow because they're saying, I don't really need God. I got it. Or I want a form of God, but I'm not going to follow the scriptures. Yeah. Deceitful arguments. What deceitful arguments would we face today? Well, many people around us confidently will assert that they have the answers to life within themselves. 
They contend that their insights, their experiences, their discoveries on the internet, their gut reactions, and that's all fine, we all have gut reactions. I sense that person's lying. Well, you're God Almighty. <laughs> don't, don't get too sold out on your senses, bro, or sis, because you're gonna be wrong. You need to approach with trust always and love and realize they might be in sin, but you were too, and you're almost in sin now, sensing you know more than what you can see. You can just take your responsibility for you. And then if you sense someone's possibly that you're in their life and you're concerned and you're seeing patterns of them as they made Jesus Lord, now you seek to understand and love and draw them out, but not be afraid to bring up things that you might think they're, they, they've fallen into because you care. So you got to be able to have that talk that might be awkward because you love. Yeah. See, gut reactions... And then they cast aside the lessons of Scripture and even sometimes history, which is even scary, the world. Sometimes people are forgetting the history. And you know what? Don't we learn from history? Won't we learn our mistakes from our own history? Your own life, if you have wisdom, you're going, I'm not doing that again. I'm going to research and not go out on impulse buy and believe that dude that's just going, hey, doing? you got no money, you haven't been a job for 10 years, we'll f we can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You're walking, ah, and then you, you go bankrupt. I'm not doing that again. I didn't do that. I ain't doing it. What, but I have made impulse buys, and I sure don't do that evermore. I walk in, and I leave for sure the next day. I don't buy nothing quick, big buys. I don't do it no matter what, because if it's good enough and it's still there, if it's too good and I'm going to miss that deal, anybody says, you're going to miss it. Everybody sales. Everything comes up. You always, you, if you really get it. There's never going to be a time that they don't have a reason. They always find new reasons. It's clearance sale. It's end of the year sale. Hurry up and get it. You could go to sleep and not wait till next year, and it's still the same thing. It's new. It's, it's green tree day. It's going to rain tomorrow. <laughs> Buy one, get one free if it rains. I mean, they, they need to sell. Don't worry. You haven't missed any great opportunities. They're always going to be there. And the best deal for you is if it works for you as a deal. Whatever they pick and choose is what carries the most weight. That's the most concerning thing. When the scripture isn't the authority anymore and they're striving to trust in themselves or what they're saying if it contradicts scripture, that's scary. Yeah. They seek out other people who will agree with them and they think God and the church are ill, irreverent. We don't need them. Irrelevant, excuse me. We don't need it. I thought that. When I went to church and when I was studying the Bible, I just didn't even know church was a part of God's plan. I thought it's a good idea, come and go as you want, but I didn't realize Jesus is the head of the body as I started studying, like, it's a great plan. The dangerous mindset, this isn't new, this dangerous mindset of changing and letting your life and the world around you start to influence you more in the scripture. It began when Adam and Eve chose to go their own way rather than God's. But God has the wisdom we need, guys. We don't need to look elsewhere. Look in John 14, 22. Loving God, right, means loving Jesus. So that would be wisdom. One thing I love is if I don't feel good about myself or God, I don't know what I need to change. Or even if I feel just not, not where I need to be spiritually, I'm always going, God, am I in sin? And I try to check myself honestly. My wife's always in my life. Brothers, I just don't. If I, usually if you're in sin, you know it. If you're walking in the light as a disciple, you know I'm in sin. But what I love about it mostly is I just look back at the scriptures and go, I'm striving to do my best on following you, Jesus. And that's the, that's, the, that's the assertion that I made Jesus Lord, and I know God is loving me, and I'm agreeing with him, and I want to do it. Amen. 
So it says in John 14, 22, then, G then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who's not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. See, because the disciples were still expecting Jesus to establish an earthly kingdom and overtake Rome at that time, they still didn't totally get it. Just like we still need to continue to get it in different ways. And they found it difficult to understand why he did not tell the world at large that he was the Messiah. And you know, he says that several times through Scripture, doesn't he? Don't say anything until later. I even wonder, like, can't we, Lord? Can't we? And I realize that there's always a wisdom in God. And obviously, he didn't want to get cut off on his full plan to follow the, to, to coincide with the prophecies of the Old Testament to get to Jerusalem, fulfill what the Old Testament said and the prophecy. So if he did make a real big announcement too soon, I'm just assuming it wasn't God's timing, even though he's in control, and he didn't want to be stopped or masked by crowds. Because, you know, one time the crowds tried to throw him off the cliff, remember? Yeah. And he, had, he contended for the faith. That was seriously contending for faith. You're about ready to be thrown off. And I don't know how he did it, but he walked right through the crowd. So I just realized his faith was like, I'm a contender. If you get in my way, you're going to get KO'd. <laughs> Not in a violent way, but something part of that crowd. Because it didn't say he did a miracle. He just walked through the crowd. You ever seen someone with dead serious conviction? They're dead set on something? Yeah. Get in front of a mother and their children. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah. That mother doesn't care if you're 10 feet tall. She sees no size. You are going to have to kill me to get to my kid. And the biggest gang leader will go, let her go. Those eyes are, no one can stop that. That's contend. Jesus confronted him and said, Judas, and said, and you know, when he said this in verse, he, I believe he, he says here, not everyone, however, could or was willing to understand Jesus' message. That's why he said, not yet. But you know what? Ever since Pentecost, when the first 3,000 were baptized into the kingdom of God, Acts 2, 38, the gospel of the kingdom has been proclaimed in the whole world, and yet not, and yet not everyone is receptive to it. They're receptive to a philosophy of the Bible. They go to church and come, but they don't want, most people like myself, I find that even grew up, didn't really understand or had, were taught or were able to see disciples teaching disciples. Making disciples, that's kind of the call of the church. That is not kind of, it is. Yeah. Jesus saves the deepest revelations, I believe, of himself for those who want to truly know him, love him and obey him. When you're seeking God with all your heart, you know what's so exciting about quiet times? Yeah. You, if you have that kind of heart and you're seeking him, you're going to get insight. It's the same Bible that's been read since it was written. Men, men and women have died over, over the years reading it. But you can read it, even read it again, and continue to glean from it insight. Because it's the mystery of God, and it's your faith, and your love, and you're going to get closer to God. Because when you're saved, you're saved. If your truly heart was right before God. But you can get closer to God. Did you know that? That's what excites me about being alive. It's not like, okay, I'm saved, I'm just going to go. No, I realize I want to know him better. Paul says that I want to know Christ. I want to know him. It's like, good night, dude. You're leading the movement at that time. You're fired up. Well, what he was saying is it never ends. You can get closer and closer. You can see. You can have wisdom. You're still going to be a sinner. Yeah. But you just 
get that insight. And then you can get a little bit religious and self-righteous if you don't let brothers in your life and start thinking, I got a gut sense about you. I sense you. That's a problem. Now you're not getting close to God. The devil's got in. We're not to judge. We're to help. So point number two is crucify your rebellion daily. What do you mean my rebellion? What do you mean my rebellion? You know what? Just like everybody's inclination is sinful, and we so loved the we so loved our men love darkness instead of the light for fear to come in. The Bible says that in John 3, 19 through 21. That's an inclination. It doesn't mean you're not, doesn't mean now you don't know the right way, and it doesn't mean as you grow in your maturity, like for me, I pray one of my prayers and I continue. God help me hate what you hate. Help me love what you love. It has nothing to do with people, it's sin. I want to hate sin. And when I first got converted, I wanted to hate cigarettes because I was quitting. And he took it away. Even though I went through a little bit of physical withdrawal, but now I've never thought of it. And I got to the point where I would smoke and I go, and when I smell it, it's like, I'm going to throw up. Yeah. That was a long time ago. I, wow, help me hate it. Help me hate drugs. Help me hate drinking drunk. Help me hate the plan of being attracted to women with lust. Help me hate it. Amen. And when you pray that, Amen. doesn't mean you're not still susceptible or cured, but your mind and your heart are growing and seeing that I want what God wants. Amen. It's an awesome prayer. Jude 1, verse 5. Let's pick it up. Crucify your rebellion daily. Though you already all know this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on that great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. People go, ah, well, I don't want a church that preaches fire and brimstone. Well, I'm sorry, the Bible just said punishment of eternal fire. I mean, that's in the verse, sorry. I'm preaching it. It says at the end of verse 7, they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire and damnation, so to speak. Yeah. Eternal fire, that's not good. That's preaching, though. Yeah. Who are these people? These are ones that had positions in a right position with God. Unbelievable. That's why you should stay humble. Amen. Not afraid or not insecure, but humble. I need God every day. Yeah. Because... I delivered the people out of Egypt. They saw great miracles. But I had to destroy those who didn't believe and started to rebel. The angels, they don't even need faith. They see God. They're in the presence of God. Good night. That's how powerful rebellion is. They lost their position. Sodom and Gomorrah did not repent, did not listen. And they serve as an example. See, he's writing to us now in the further ages. He, they serve as an example of those who do it. So he gives three examples. Nation of Israel. Although they were delivered from Egypt, they refused to trust God all the way and continue to walk, and they did not enter the promised land. The angels, although they were once pure, holy, and living in God's presence, some gave into pride and joined Satan to rebel against God, which is really rebelling and disobeying God's word, or not taking the time to be humble enough to be taught God's word and don't be defensive. If you're defensive against God's word, you're in the rebellion stage. Yes. And we got to get out of it, but you are. If you're defensive and you're like, oh, that's the way you interpret it, let's just break it down and I'll interpret it. 
and let's just be humble. It's like a sixth grade writing. All the New Testament, almost a sixth grader could understand it if they just get the pride out of the way and go, what's it say? Well, that's how you interpret it. Well, you read it. You interpret the same thing. Don't, but then they go off and explain other things. No, 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 no. Just read the scripture and break it down. Don't give me your spiel you learned up growing up in some church with false doctrine. You're even so programmed, you can't even help it. Just go Bible, scripture to scripture, and don't add anything. And let's just talk about what it says and start grouse roots. I like that. That's what I do now. I don't do 28 years. I'm not going deeper and finding ongoing teachings. The Bible's the Bible. Many people don't believe that God sentences people to eternal fire for rejecting them. Did you know that? A lot of people, it's sliding. Yeah. Scripture clearly teaches it does. Sinners who don't seek forgiveness from God will, faith, will face eternal separation from Him. Yeah. Jude warns all who rebel against, ignore, or reject God, repent while you're alive. The celestial beings, they were probably evil angels that obviously turned into demons. They went from angels to demons. That's the new name. It's terrible. Let's look in verse 9 of Jude. Final point is keep yourself in God's love. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do, do understand by instinct as rational animals will destroy them. See, instinct. If you don't have faith and you're not submitting to the Word of God, the world, the pattern of the Word goes by instinct. Yeah. We need to eat. We are hungry. That means that you need to work or you need to steal. You, and there's a lot of people who do both. People, there's a, crime rates. I mean, there's, there's, if you look at the world and there wasn't any physical authority, We'd be in a riot Mad Maxville right now in any country. It's not even, it's not a nation. It's everyone. People, if they need something, it gets bad enough, they're going to take it. Yeah. And if there's not enough love to help others, it's going to get ugly. Because yeah. that's the nature of human beings. You've read books like The Lord of the Flies or things that you might not believe. People that would never do something and they get in a position and they do things they'd never imagined if they don't keep God's word and God's heart. But, you know, see here, when, when he's disputing, the biggest thing you want to see, a lot of people go, what's it mean? And they start getting all under this because there's not much explanation. It's the only place to mention. But that's the wrong thing to do. Start debating and giving philosophies and wondering. That does nothing. Get the point what he does say. Even Michael, an angel, a powerful angel of God, when disputing the devil, showed that he's no match. And he said, the Lord... Jesus Christ rebuke you. That's what he meant. The Lord rebuke you. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. I stand in the authority of Jesus Christ. I'm a man, but I'm in Christ and I contend for the faith in the name of Christ. And now no one can touch me. Amen. That's the answer. He didn't even stand up. And you read about Michael. There's a couple examples. But angel wiped out 70,000 people at a time. And he even didn't go, let's do it. Let's put the gloves on and say, no. He said, I rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Yeah. Not I. Yeah, right. And see, if you go by, just start to get to the point where you don't have the Bible in your life, you're naturally going to get confused. And people that don't follow the Bible go by good moral behavior. And in civilized first world countries, they have educations and authority. And they learn things that are good in themselves. 
but now they have this good moral life, a great education, a possible great career, and they don't seem to see their need for God, but they're a good moral person. That's a hollow philosophy. Why those things are what we need to do in and of themselves, but if you end there without finding God or seeing a real need, even you may say, I go to church and I love God, but you're not living as a disciple. Now you've been taken captive and thinking this is the way to do it. No. Doesn't mean you can't be successful, but you do it with God and for God. Look down in verse 17. And, you know, the rest of that, you ought to read that. The rest of what I read of it just talks about the craziness. And don't look at it like those evil people. Be honest with your own heart. You may not be, a lot of times it's easy to go, and don't get me wrong. I was grown, I grew up with manners and discipline, so to speak, but I, you could see me when I was a teenager, so I had the manners on when they needed to be on. But my heart wasn't mannerly. When I was in front of Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, my friends, we always went to the door. Hi, Mr. Maloney, can Tim play? When I was like six or seven, we'd ride our bikes. We just said, we ta- I'd always was taught Mr. and Mrs., some of the youth today, don't, I don't get it. If someone's older than you, you treat them with respect regardless. That's just the cultural thing of life. They're not better than you. It's just they've been beat up more than you. And if you, if you get closer, they'll probably help you learn some mistakes that you don't have to go through because they've been beat up pretty good. Because the older you are, you, you've taken hits, and we get through it. Dear, look in verse 17. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are people who divide you, who follow mere instincts, and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. See, we have eternal life, but we got to be brought. And that's when you die. See, to keep yourselves in God's love, I love that. It's not like you can blame anybody. Even if everybody in the church decided to be a sinful wretch, if you fell away, you're in trouble. You have to be the standard. You have to believe if no one else was here, what kind of church are you going to do? I don't have training in the ministry. That's not to worry about. Just obey God. If everybody was in the church was like you, what kind of church we got? Oh, no, don't compare. No. The heart, though, are you, are you striving to want to obey? That's the heart. And love others more than yourself and follow the plan of God. Be devoted. Coming to church on Sunday is not a good idea. It's a command from God if you're a disciple. And don't get up in the water. If you're not a disciple, you can learn and study. It's not a legalistic thing. It's a heart issue. It's like we get to go. We're benefiting by him. But we also can help worship God by strengthening us, and we help others see the community of love and family. But it says there, keep yourselves, keep yourselves, keep yourselves in God's love. See, if you don't keep yourselves in God's love, you're loving fuel tank's going to go down and you're going to get irritated. You're going to lose patience. You're going to snap. You're going to retaliate. When someone hurts you, you're going to snap back. Or you're just going to go in your heart, I'm just going to avoid them. I don't need them. But you smile every Sunday because they're your brother. That's wrong. 
Peacemakers, urge, contend, go after it. If there's one little feeling, you go and say, and give them the benefit of the doubt. Go, it may just be me, but can we talk for a minute? And you've already prayed so you can even smile and say it that way. <laughs> you hurt me, bro, when you said that. Are you, I feel like you disrespected me when you said that. What did I say? And then you reiterate it, and a lot of times I go, I didn't even know I said that. I'm sorry. So you realize, oh, you conjured this thing up. Good thing you got open because you played it in your mind and kept skewing it. Yeah. doesn't mean it might not be true, but then you hear someone, you see their heart, and you go, amen, all good. I just want to share that, appreciating it. And most times if someone says, oh, I did something and I don't remember, I'll say, I'm not, I'm not saying I didn't do it. I'm just really sorry I did it. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I don't go, I didn't do that. I didn't say that. If they said it, I just go, I'm going to acknowledge the motion. Even, I'm not trying to patronize them. If I really can't remember, I'm just going to go, I see it affected them. I go, I don't remember saying that, but I'm not beyond making mistakes or doing something wrong, so I'm sorry. That's, that's telling the truth, because I am. I don't want them to hurt. I'm glad you got open. I'm glad you came up to me. That's the way you do it as a disciple. You don't have to go, oh, I don't believe them. They're not sincere. They said sorry, but I don't believe it was real. Oh, so now you got the gut sense on how real does the sorry need to be. Some people, for the first time, maybe never said in their life, and they're way behind you, but they're working toward it. So their sorry may not be like your sorry. But you got to meet people where they're at. Verse 22. Be merciful to those who doubt. This is people who don't have rebellious attitudes. This is people who want to do it. And, and need encouragement because they're not disagreeing. They're just feeling like maybe they're not worthy or they just, I don't know. And then you got to keep going, yes, you can. You, you know, you can't. You can't do it. None of us can. That's why Jesus died. That's fine. Now get over that and just go, what are you giving your heart and asking God to help you what you got do your best? And pray. And there's certain things you don't believe. Let's pray about it. Let's talk about it. It will come. God will help you one step at a time. You're saved by grace. That's the person. They're going to be weak. They're not going, I don't want no. You know, when you're talking to me like, that's a rebellion. That's defensiveness. If they're weak and merciful to those who doubt, they're going, you know, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? They're not already set in their mind going, what do you think? But they're already in their mind going, that's not speaking faith. And I can't stay with someone that doesn't speak faith for too long because there's nothing I can do. Yeah. I saw it with you, but it's obvious you're not open to believing this. But I'm here, but I don't know what else we can do. I'm not going to go to 100 scriptures because your attitude already is like it's not, you're not willing to be convinced. Verse 23 says, snatch, save others by snatching them from the fire. To show others mercy mixed with fear. See, even when you have mercy on people, if they're sinning, no matter what it is, hardship, life, if they're still disobeying, you still need to love them. But what you're saying is they're seeing in your eyes, you're very concerned, but it doesn't dismiss that they're, they're out of bounds from being obedient. They're drifting. Yeah. So it's not even like you're judging them, but they can just see like, I'm, I'm afraid for you where you're headed. You're not, you're not walking in the right way. Hating even the clothing stain corrupted by fish. That's what I hate, what God hates. I hate sin. But I look at my sin, and I don't hate anybody else, but I love that person enough to speak up. Because I hate any sin that's in people. Because most of us, if we want to do what's right or we don't know, we want to be told the truth. Doesn't everybody want the truth? Well, that's why God came. Yeah. And then it says in verse 24, coming in, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, see? Him, even stumbling, and to present you before his gracious presence without fault with the great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. See, bringing people to Jesus saves them from God's judgment. We can do this by showing compassion, kindness, showing up, 
having hospitality, loving is an action verb. You need to pull people in. You need to want, not inconvenience. It's a joy to have your home and, and have someone come over and feed them and buy groceries and set it up and plan it. That's inconvenient. I'm tired. I'll just leave that with you. I'm not even, if you want to be a disciple, God didn't say if, when you're tired, don't do it. You want to do it. To hate even the stained and corrupt flesh means that we are to hate sin, but we still must witness and love and reach out to sinners because we were. We're saved sinners now trying to help unsaved sinners. That's really what it is. We've been convinced of the truth of Christ, and we understand, so now we're saved sinners trying to help unsaved sinners. So we're not any better. So as the letter begins, so it ends with what? Assurance. God keeps us from falling prey to false teachers if you keep in your word. Yeah. Although false teachers are widespread and dangerous, they're all over. Millions yeah. of church buildings. Yeah. We don't hate and we don't have to be afraid if we trust God and are rooted and grounded in him. No one can deceive us. That's why we all have our Bibles open right now. So I would say to the audience to whom Jude wrote, Jude wrote was vulnerable to heresies and apostasies and false teachings and temptations like they are around us. He encouraged them to remain firm in the faith, trust God's promises in the future, and this was the way to overcome any kind of deception. So guys, love will keep us together, but not just love without the truth. Love will fix you temporary, but it won't get you all the way. So. Contend for the faith with love. And love is, you know, if you, if, if you obey Jesus, that's love, the words of God. And then be aware of your rebellion. We all have it. I have it. I've been 28 years. I still can realize there's seeds of it. I now recognize it, but I can't kill it. I can put it to death through the cross, but it won't go away. But I understand it. That's the key. It's sin. It's wrong. I, I deal with it. And I was a rebel before I became a Christian, so I've come a long way. And then the final one would be uh, keep yourself in God's love. Get your heart and read the scriptures and thank God for what you have before you even go out. Because God says, I'm enough to keep you in love. So when you go out, you can love others as Jesus loved you. And to God be the glory. Amen.